I believe that you're going to leave this place changed, that God's going to do something in you, that he wants to do something in your life this morning, and I believe he's going to do it today. And so let's just look forward with expectancy and hope and encouragement because God's got something in store for every single one of us today. So would you, let's, would you bow your heads with me? Let's, let's pause and pray and uh, invite God into this. God, Lord, we thank you this morning that you love love, love setting people free. You love changing lives. You love grabbing hold of us in in whatever place we're at, and you love giving us hope and strength and new courage and faith. Would you do that for us this morning? Would you do more than we ever could have imagined? I, I believe your dreams for us are more than we could ever dream for ourselves. And so I pray you'd help us to walk into that today, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. Um, I was reading a story uh, this week about Noble Doss. Uh, Noble is a uh, famous football player who played football in the 1940s. He just died a few years back in 2009, and uh, I was planning on telling uh, a particular story about a couple of his famous plays when I saw on ABC uh, an ABC News clip from a few years back actually describing the same plays I was going to describe to you. So uh, you're going to get a chance to see Noble uh, sharing a little bit about his life as a football player back in the 1940s. Let's watch that clip. I had my eyes on it from the time, you know, start running, going downfield, and you're looking back. And I, I followed it all the way down, and I caught it. Over, over the head, in the end of the hand. It was the impossible catch. Noble Doss's catch against Texas A&M in 1940 that was called the impossible catch is a picture that hangs in all of the halls of Texas memorabilia. I can't even remember how old I was when I first found out that Dad was famous for a second play, one that he didn't make. One that, if he'd caught, would have propelled the team to the Rose Bowl. We the number one team in Mason for a number of weeks. And undefeated. Just everything you'd need in a good football team. We almost got there, but I didn't make the big play. The great catch that he made against A&M in 1940 is such a part of Texas history. And the play in the Baylor game of 1941 was one play out of 50 or 60 that happened. And that's just the one he remembers. Not a day go by, I don't think about that. You know what, what it meant to us as a team. But in the catch it, I don't know. Just miss the ball. Doss dropped the ball, one ball, one pass, one mistake. He let one fall, and it has haunted him ever since. He, he said, do you hear it? He says, I think about that play every day. And it's not that he lacks other memories. He went on to be uh, happily married for more than 60 years. He was a, a father, a grandfather, um, appeared on the cover of Life magazine with his Texas U teammates. Uh, he, he broke records during his his college career. Uh, he won two NFL titles with the Philadelphia Eagles. Most fans remember the plays that Doss made and the passes he caught, but Doss himself remembers the one that he missed. How, how is it that, that thousands of things can go right in our lives, but we hold on to that negative, that thing that didn't work out? As that story illustrates, I think that our past can have a tremendous impact on our lives. Today, as we think again about letting go of our baggage, we're going to talk about today about getting past our past. How do we get free of not just the, the pain of the past, but the power that it has over our lives today? So that old mistakes and, and old hurts and old habits and old losses and, and old patterns don't hold you back from the future that God has for you. To make this very real this morning, 
I'd like just where you are to be thinking about maybe uh, an event or an item or, or something right now. Just, just do this privately. I, I want you to identify something in your past that you most need to let go of if you're going to live a life of joy. Is there, is there something that God needs to bring his healing and his release and his redemption so that you can be fully alive to him today? As the message goes on, if you, if you think of something, you can actually write it down on that little slip of paper, which you're going um, to give that away at the end of the service, by the way. So, um, but you can think about that. Maybe it's a divorce you went through. Maybe uh, there's a relationship that, that broke up and, and you're still hurting. Maybe you were betrayed and you feel bitter. Uh, maybe you had a parent who was difficult or neglected you or abused you. You just can't let go of that. Maybe you, ha- you have a relationship with a son or, or a daughter who's broken your heart, and, and that's what you carry around. Maybe it was just simply somebody said the wrong thing at the wrong time. They said words that were so hurtful, and you carry those words with you. Maybe you lost a job, or you made a bad choice, or there is a, a habit or an addiction you keep falling victim to. Or you have a, a boss or a schoolmate or a, a, a business partner you just can't forgive. Or there is this someone that you loved and you lost or somehow you're afraid that you missed your great chance. You missed out on the, the great opportunity of your life and it's, it's just gone. What's the one area where you need most to get past your past? Here's the thing. There, there are, are so many people who get crippled because they never, never do that. Something happened in their past and they're, and they're kind of lugging it with them today, and they'll lug it with them tomorrow, and it's killing them, and it'll do that for you. Let me give you a kind of a picture of this. It's kind of a silly story. It's meant to be funny. You may or may not find it funny. But Fred got home from golf later than, than usual and, and was very tired, and uh, his wife asked, was it a bad day golfing? And he says, oh, yeah, it was fine at first, but, but everything's going good. And then Harry had a heart attack, and died on the 10th tee. That's awful, she said. To which Fred replied, you're not kidding. For the remaining nine nine holes, it was hit the ball, drag Harry. Hit the ball, drag Harry. Thank you, son. That token laugh was just enough to keep me going here. But there are, are all kinds of people who go through their whole lives with this kind of deal. You know, wake up, drag their past. Go to work, drag their past. Uh, find a spouse, drag their past. Get into a relationship, drag their past. You know, we, we have to ask ourselves at some point, do we really want to keep doing that? Do, do, do you really want to keep repeating habits and mistakes from your past? How, how much do you want the bad things that, that happened yesterday to damage and depress your spirit and attitude as you go into the future? Truth is, you'll, you'll never have the life that God wants you to have. You'll never navigate your, your present life with, with joy if you don't learn how to navigate your past with both grace and truth. You know, the Apostle Paul, there's this great passage. He was speaking to the church in Philippi, in Philippians. And uh, this, this, these great words, I think they're going to uh, unpack some things for us and, and make it a little more real today. But he wrote these words to the church at Philippi. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. He's kind of saying, don't get me wrong. I'm still on a journey here, folks. I'm still in process. Don't, you know, I'm, 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 I'm heading towards this. But he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the prize to, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul said, there's my past. That's it behind me, and then there's what, what, what is ahead, that, what God has for me. That's my goal, the, the person that God wants me to, to become, the life that God wants me to live, you know, the, the difference that God wants me to make. The, the relationship with him that he wants me to have. I, I just do one thing. One thing I do, Paul says. He says, I refuse to allow what's back there to interfere with my pursuit with, up, with, with what's up here. Every night when I go to bed, I let it go. 
Every morning when I, when I wake up, I, I, I press on. I, all through the day, I, I press on. Uh, here's the one thing. It's choosing the power of God and His promises and not the power of the past as the guiding story of my life. Angel and I, uh, we have this amazing friend, amazing person. And uh, if you look at her background, she has one of those stories where she should have been absolutely emotionally crippled by the way she grew up. I mean, seriously, it's like something out of a bad movie. Um, One of her parents was a, a severely crippled alcoholic. And there was physical abuse. There was violence and, and conflict. And, and at times, there were seasons of extreme poverty. And, and, and she just faced all kinds of addiction, something that no kid should ever have to go through. By all rights, she should have been an emotional zombie, kind of like the walking wounded. Yet not only is she not, she's just an unbelievable person. <laughs> I mean, she's a, a, a great wife, an, an amazing mother to her kids. She's a follower of Jesus. She's this joy-filled person with this amazing spirit. And we've seen her do all kinds of adventures with God, kind of stepped out and, 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 and done things that you'd never think someone like that with that background could do in her family, in her neighborhood, in her church. And if you were to ask her, how did this happen? How did you become this person? How what by all rights should have been a tragic story end up as an inspiring story, you know? And if you'd asked her, she'd, uh, she'd give Jesus, like, the credit. And uh, that'd be right. But she'd also say that she refused to allow her past to define her future. She, she refused to allow that to have the final say. Her past wouldn't define her way going forward. She made a choice to allow God to take the nightmare that she was handed and write a brand new ending to it. The one thing Paul says forgetting what is behind and, and straining. You know, Paul uses that word. It's, it's great. It's a word that implies this immense effort with all that I have, this energy. In the Greek, the word means, well, it kind of means like hot pursuit. I'm, I'm in hot pursuit after this one thing, this reaching forward. I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Becoming the person God wants me to be. Living the life that God wants me to live. What's amazing is how often people don't make that choice. How often so many people get passive about things in which they need to act. People live as though they're, they're purely victims of their past. And, and they wait and, and kind of just drift into the future hoping things will get better. You know, I, I, I hope my bitterness will go away someday. I, I, I hope my, my anger will go away someday. I hope my guilt will go away someday. I hope my regret will just go away someday. Paul, Paul tells us this is important. He says this one thing I do, if I don't get anything else right, I'm going to get this right. I choose not to be chained to my past. I forget what is behind. Now this is important. When Paul uses the word forget, you know, he doesn't mean I'll I'll erase it from my memory like some cool sci-fi film. You know, they they do that sometimes. Good news, bad news. God will not erase your past. What God will do with your past is redeem your past. And he can heal you of the effects of your past. But he won't erase it. The reality is if if I don't reflect on my past and and, and learn from it, I'll, I'll never actually get past it. To get past my past, I have to learn from it so that I become a a wiser and and a different and a better person. To get past my past, I I have to let it go. I have to start by actually looking at it and learning from it. This coming week, uh, Angel and I are actually traveling to Ontario for a wedding, a family wedding. Um, uh, We were there just like six weeks ago. My nephew was getting married, and we're going to be there this weekend ahead because my niece is getting married, and if I had my way, I would have performed a double wedding, and they would have gotten married the same day. It's all family, right? We could have done that, saved some money, but no, they're making us travel twice. But it is kind of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to this wedding. I'm going to be officiating over my niece's uh, wedding, which is going to be so cool, Um, and it's fun officiating at a family wedding because they're going to give me a microphone, 
and I can tell embarrassing family stories about my siblings. It's going to be great, you know, some little bit of payback. I'm the youngest son, so I, I, you know, I have some, you know, some, some stories to tell. Um, when I marry someone, I, I do premarital counseling with them, and it, it's just a, a matter of sitting down with a couple and, and, and walking through. This is what you need to be prepared for as you enter this relationship of marriage. You want to go in with eyes open. I did this with my niece and, and uh, her fiancé, and we had to do kind of a crash course when we were back for the last wedding. We sat down, and we did this kind of like in super hyper mode, and I, I tell you, the poor fiancé, he, he was looking at me with wide eyes like a deer caught in the headlights the whole time. He's like, what am I in for? But I asked them, as I ask all couples that I do premarital counseling for, I ask them two kind of key questions along the way. The first question is, is, what do you want to bring from your family of origin, the family you grew up in, what do you want to bring into your marriage? It's always interesting to hear the answers to that. What, what habits, what patterns, what kind of ways of relating that you want to bring into your, your new family that you're forming? The, the second question is, is just as important, I ask, is what would you like to leave behind? Out of your family of origin, what, what behaviors and attitudes and, and beha- uh, approaches to life, what habits would, would you like to leave behind? It's, it's like really, really important, and it can be challenging, I think, to answer that question. I was reading this week uh, Ruth Barton book, uh, great, great author. She wrote the book called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And she described some of the, the hidden dynamics from our past that we, we bring into our lives, into our relationships. Let me read just a few descriptions that she gave. If you're like me, you might be able to relate to, to actually more than one of these descriptions. That's what she writes. A man whose father was stern and demanding and who never heard a full and unconditional I love you finds himself on a performance treadmill always working unconsciously to gain approval and a sense of self. The drivenness that results can become a debilitating source of exhaustion. A woman who was raised in a punishing environment where there was an inordinate emphasis on being good and behaving develops perfectionist tendencies that keeps feelings of shame and inadequacy at bay. The longer this perfectionism remains unacknowledged, the more likely she is to hurt herself and others with unrealistic expectations and ideals. A man who experienced not being wanted at conception or birth learns to doubt his basic self-worth and develops patterns of hiding his real self from others. This, types of, this type of person remains distant and aloof because that seems safer than, entering into, than risking more rejection. It prevents him from entering into authentic community. A woman who has experienced profound loneliness, abandonment, or loss learns to keep busy as a way of avoiding the deep feelings that such experiences bring. While staying busy, she is able to maintain a a superficial peace. However, over time, it becomes obvious that she is unable to deal honestly and rigorously with the, the most challenging issues that need to be faced. A man who has lived with significant emotional or physical deprivation in childhood may have developed a scarcity mentality that causes him to be stingy and ungenerous. The emptiness he experienced may also result in narcissistic tendencies which are expressed in an insatiable desire or need to be in the limelight or to be associated with the person or an organization that is in the limelight. And finally, a person who is raised in an emotionally volatile and unpredictable environment develops a tendency toward fear and undue caution. Consequently, she refuses to take the kinds of risks that are necessary for spiritually, spiritual journeying and soulful leadership. You see, none of us are immune uh, to the hurts and the wounds of our past, and, and we, we carry it with, you, with us, don't we? And, and when you think about your past and your future, the one constant thing, the one constant thing about, consistent thing about your circumstances and, and, and things that you go through in life is you. You know, they say, wherever you go, there you are. So if you don't learn to learn from your past, you'll just repeat it. People who get into a a second marriage find that it looks, begins to look a lot like their first marriage. People who have been abused as children often are quite vulnerable to becoming abusers as adults. 
people who are continually lonely because they haven't had the courage to face up to the question, why can't I form friendships? People have the same cycle of money issues over and over and over again because they actually don't stop and, and ask, what is it about this need I have to spend? What's the role of, of money in my life? There's this profound line in Proverbs. You probably didn't know this was in the Bible. The writer says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to its folly. Many of you didn't know that the word vomit was actually in the Bible, did you? <laughs> well, there it is. It's, it's not a terribly appetizing image, is it? In fact, in fact my, uh, when I was in university, my roommate had a dog, a little cocker spaniel, and somebody left a pound of butter out on the kitchen counter, and this dog ate the entire pound of butter. And it made him so sick, he went outside on our, our, our driveway, and he threw up the whole pound of butter. It was disgusting. But that wasn't the most disgusting thing. It was that later in the day, this dog goes over and, and, and actually licks up the entire pile. It's revolting, isn't it? And, and, and I think this image here, it's meant to be revolting because when, when people continually go over that, do those things that are so tragic and awful, and they're doing them again and again and again, it's like, why would you do that to yourself? It happened in the past, and you're going back to it again like a dog going to the vomit. Forget does not mean... I refuse to think about my past because it'll make me feel bad. We, we confuse grace sometimes, I think, with not feeling bad. One, one, of, one of my very best friends just recently um, stepped out and, and are going to a prayer counselor. And uh, they, they want to get over There's been kind of a consistent symptom in their life, negative thing that's been kind of trailing them through their lives. And uh, they had kind of, as I shared last week, they had kind of a Popeye moment. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. They got to that place, right? I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And uh, they started going to this counselor. And you know what I want to say about that? That is not weak. That is brave. Getting help is not weak. That takes so much courage. And And that person, I'm already beginning to see the results of them actually grappling with that thing. And they're beginning to experience fresh freedom, stuff that they've, this person has carried from their childhood. What a, what a cool thing. Uh, you know, I'm not going to keep, initially this person is saying, I'm not going to keep what happened yesterday from per, pursuing this, this good life with God today. As one author said, my past will inform me, but it will not deform me. My past will educate me, but it will not devastate me. Now, in our remaining time, I, I want us to think about this, this past event, this item, whatever it is. And I want you to think about the, the bad things that have happened in your past. And generally, they'll involve one of, of three causes or a mixture of these three. John Ortberg, a pastor and author, he, he talks about this. A, a, a bad thing that is part of my life can be my bad, which means it's like my fault. It can be your bad which means it's something that you did to me or somebody else did to me, right? Or it can just be bad, which means it, 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 no one's necessarily the cause for that. It's, it's no, not necessarily anybody's fault. It's just a bad thing. Let's start first with my bad. These are items from my past I want to forget, but they are actually my fault. Forgetting them means I have to own them, I have to acknowledge them, and I have to learn from them. There's a word, by the way, for my bad in the Bible. Anybody know what that word is? Thank you, yeah, it's that sin word. The only way to get past the, 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 the bad of my bad, to get past that and, and past the guilt of my bad, is to repent. In repenting, I ask God to, to help me do kind of a brave thing, what, what Ortberg calls this fearless moral inventory. And it takes this kind of fearlessness because it takes a, a lot of courage to actually face up to my bad. One of the promises, the, the psalmist, I should say, uh, prayed this kind of prayer. He, he said, search me, God, and know my heart. See if there is any offensive way in me. You know, why would you need to pray this? Because so often we can't see it. What, we, we, we need God's help to see it because we're so blind. The, the idea here is to identify the particular sin that, that you most struggle with. What's the sin that, that most keeps you from experiencing the, the, your best self that God wants you to be? The old King James Version called this your besetting sin. What is your worst, most besetting sin? 
For me, it's helping out too much around the house. Yeah. Actually, for me, it's this profoundly deep love of me, myself, and I. So I've been praying this prayer, search me, O God, and, and show me where I'm messing up. Show me that offensive way in me. And, and I actually do that uh, every morning, and I pray that. And, and one of the ways I do it is I actually reflect back on the day before. Uh, St. Ignatius actually talks about that, this, this way of reflecting on your life. And, and I've been doing that. And uh, this last week, I, I did it actually this last Monday. And we had company staying at our home uh, Sunday night, and it was Angel's niece, and they were up, staying up late. I went to bed early. And as, as I was reflecting back, this, this is the image that God gave me of this, this experience the day before. And uh, I went to bed, bed early, and I was sound asleep, and an angel came into the room, and she turned on the closet light, and my face was aimed directly at her closet, and the, the light just shone right on me, and it, and it woke me up. And, and I think I uh, must have grunted an angry grunt or groaned an angry groan, because she's like, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. And she turned off the light and, 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 and went to bed. Um, and the next morning, this is the thing that God put his finger on when I prayed, search me, O God, know my heart, see if there would be any offensive way in me. And uh, what it said to me was, it, what God put his finger on was just how angry I was in that moment. How at the surface my anger was. It didn't take long for it to, to come out of me. It was right there. I felt really, really angry that she would wake me from my sleep. Far more angry about that than me being concerned for, for my dear wife stumbling around in the dark. What's, what's cool is, as I kind of dialogued about that with Jesus, I found this great willingness on his part to take that from me. That I didn't have to carry the burden of that mistake or that sin. That actually he was quite willing to, to actually forgive that and also give me a desire to not be that kind of guy who is so easily angered. So ready to, to pop when somebody frustrates or gets in my way. Acknowledge that Jesus is saying that, that he is willing to take the baggage of our sin. He's willing to carry that as he has. You know why? I've got to say this, folks. It should be obvious, but we all struggle with my bad. You struggle with it. I, I struggle with it. But we have a Savior. We all need a Savior. But we all have a Savior who is willing to take it and bear that burden on your behalf, and you do not have to carry it anymore. You can be freed. You know, all you've got to do is, is be willing to admit, as, as Marty said a number of weeks back, you know, we, we admit so that we can get admission into God's presence and enjoy His company. And my sense is this morning that there is some sin and, and brokenness in our lives this morning that God would just love to forgive. He would love to see you set free from that. He'd love to unburden you of that. And I hope that you will accept that free gift today. I hope if you're still carrying something, some of your bad, you would give that to God this morning. The only way, as I said, to get past my bad is to repent. This takes courage. I have to look at whatever it is and be willing to suffer the sting and the pain and the humility I'm a person, admitting that I'm a person who can be cruel. I'm a person who hoards. I'm a person who is angry. I'm a person who, who can be critical. I'm a person addicted to approval. That's me. God, I want, want to confess that, and I want you to help me become a, a different kind of person who doesn't do that anymore. I want to make it right. Whoever I've hurt, I want to go to them, and I, and I want to make it right, and I, I want to lay my guilt and, and the baggage of my sin down at the foot of the cross and let it go and receive mercy. And then I start again. That's how I get past the past of my bad. There's another category, and this is uh, your bad. Here's something that's not my fault. It's something that was done to me. Somebody hurt you. Somebody cheated you. Somebody bullied you. Somebody deliberately insulted you or disrespected you. Or, or there's a boss who was unfair to you, a school teacher who who was, who was prejudiced against you, or someone violated you so badly, and you're just filled with hurt and anger. And let's face it, folks, there's just a lot of hurt and anger floating around out there, isn't there? The only way past your bad is to forgive. 
When I'm, when I'm trapped by my bad, it's, it's guilt, and I have to repent. When I'm, when I'm trapped by your bad, it's resentment. And to get past resentment, I have to forgive. And, and that means I let go of, of my desire for revenge. As I said a few weeks back, um, it's, it's letting go of the trump card that I hold over another person for what they've done. I laid down that trump card, that offense, and I say, I'm not going to pick that up anymore. I'm letting that go. The only way past your bad is to forgive. When I'm, when I'm trapped, uh, pardon me, let, let me tell you how, how this worked out for me. Um, a few years ago, our, our family, uh, we had a family reunion here in BC. My, most of my family don't live in British Columbia. And so we invited everybody to come on out, and we rented a cottage, and we were in four walls as adults, as a family together for a week, my parents and my siblings and their, their kids. And uh, it was a great week. And yet, there was one family member who said some things that were, incre- that, that were incredibly hurtful to me that week. And, and they did some things that were incredibly hurtful to me that week. And quite honestly, I, I'm, I'm the type of person, I think I, I, I try to treat those kind of things like water off a duck's back. Like, shake it off, Right? I, I don't think I was able to shake it off for some reason. But with this particular person, I, I think it hurt more than, it, than, I, than I really even realized. And I didn't even know I was offended, but I, I, I know that I carried from that week some bitterness and some resentment that I carried for a number of years, actually. And it was only actually a, a, about three or four years later that I, I realized not everything is right in that relationship. I have no desire to call that person. In fact, I hadn't called that family member in a year. We were used to having regular conversations, and I had not go- I'd gone out of my way not to call this, this family member. And, 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 and as I reflected on this, I, I, I began to realize I was really carrying around a lot of unforgiveness towards this person. And I, uh, I, I realized I don't want to carry that anymore. This is not good. And so I actually confessed it to my wife and said how I was feeling about this, and then we prayed together, and the Lord really spoke to me. We were driving. We were down in the States in Washington somewhere, and we were driving along, just the two of us, and uh, what God kind of spoke to me during that time was, this is an easy thing. This is not a difficult thing for you to do, and so I just prayed, God, I want to forgive this person, and I give that to you, and I actually, I've told some of you this before, but I actually said, and I, I refuse now to speak ill of that person ever again, I think that was, those two together worked really well because I, I felt off the hook for that offense. I felt like I was able to, as we heard time and time again in Frozen, I was able to let it go. I was able to let it go. Let it go, let it go. Sorry. Lincoln got me on that song earlier. Thanks, Link. It's helpful. Uh, my relationship with that family member, by the way, has been incredibly restored. In fact, uh, it's become a real gift to me. And I've been able to bless that person and uh, live in harmony with that person. It's been incredible. There's no guarantees of that, by the way. And, and, and the reason you forgive somebody is, is not because they deserve it. And, and it may not even be the possibility for a restored relationship may never be possible. They might not even be alive anymore and you need to forgive them. But, but the whole point of it is that, that you release yourself from the prison of your resentment. That's why we forgive. And, and so maybe for you, getting past your, your past means that there's somebody for you to forgive, for somebody for you to, to let off the hook. Maybe you start by just writing a letter where you write down, here's all the, the hurts that I suffered, here's the, the resentments I've been carrying around. Maybe you send it, maybe you don't. Maybe you have a conversation with that person or you invite them for a cup of coffee. Maybe you just start by asking God for for help in this particular area. The Apostle Paul says, as I I quoted recently, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is important. You don't forgive someone because they deserve it. You forgive them because the Lord has been so good at forgiving you. And, And if you're having trouble forgiving, spend some time reflecting on God's great love in Jesus in forgiving you at the cross. Think about that. That maybe help you. And maybe getting past your past is to, to take a step down the forgiveness road. There's another category to get past, and it's, it's uh, not my bad or your bad. It's just bad. <laughs> you might call this regret. Regret always 
involves a, a certain perspective, a certain evaluation of my circumstances. Regret is an event or, or a situation that's a disappointment to me because I compare it to what might have been. And, and if I, you know, regret is, is that idea that, that if only, if only I'd gone to that school, if only I'd gotten that, that job, if only I'd married that person, if only I hadn't married that person, if only that bad thing didn't happen. When, when you're regretting, you're compar- contrasting your life to, to what you think would have made you happy. It's kind of an imaginary thing that's going on in your mind. It, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, they did studies of, of people who win in the Olympics, uh, Olympic winners. And, and they've done, it, the, the, the study is, is, tells us that people who win gold medals, of course, naturally, they are the happiest. Um, bronze medalists are actually quite happy as well. Silver medalists are not so happy. They're a little bit unhappy, according to the studies. Bronze medalists, they're just happy. They almost didn't get a medal. They're happy that they got a medal. Silver medalists going, I almost got a gold. I didn't get a gold. It's all in their mind. They still want a medal. They objectively did better than the bronze you know, winners, but they're unhappy because they didn't get what they thought they needed to be happy. It's a perspective deal. Do you know the only way to get out of, you know, it's bad is hope. It's hope. The only way you're going to get past your, your past of regrets, and I'd say that, that, that regrets are, are killing some people here this morning. I, I, I talked to a woman after church first service, and uh, her words were, I've been living with all these disappointments. In fact, that's the, the, the word I would say describes my life here on planet Earth is disappointing. I'm so disappointed. So much regret is filling her life. To do that, to get over those regrets, is you must believe that God has a future for you. You must believe that there's a hope that outshines your past. I think Paul challenges us to live in hope when he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul is not putting his hope in success, uh, in, in good circumstances or bad circumstances. He's got his eyes on the prize. This calling heavenward in, in Christ Jesus. You see, he puts his, his hope in an entirely different path. A path, by the way, that so far has only been taken by one. But it's there for you and me. It was by Jesus who who suffered intensely on the cross, and then on the third day came the resurrection. That's the prize. Resurrection. And in Christ's resurrection, in, in Christ, every lost thing will be found. Every, every wrong thing will be made right. Every dashed dream will be restored. And every bad thing will be undone. And Paul says, I'm betting the farm on that. And that changes how I look at everything in my life. Right there. Paul was also the one who said, and we know, not that we think, not that we hope, he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Paul says in all things. He doesn't say in some things, in in some circumstances, in some problems, in, in some difficulties, in some places, in some relationships. He says in all things, whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, God is at work to bring good out of it. That's the path. Therefore, Paul says, this one thing I do, to know Christ, not to be be trapped by my past, to forget what's behind, to be found in Christ, to follow this this magnificent Christ, to to love this magnificent Christ, to serve this, this wonderful Christ, to allow Him to make me the kind of person to, to live with him, to, to suffer with him, to die with him, and be resurrected in him. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward ahead, what is ahead, I, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I wonder this morning, what baggage from your past would you like to leave behind today? Why don't you take that slip of paper out again and, and just look at it and uh, want, want you to consider what you might write on it. 
whatever it is from your past that you would like to get rid of, you'd like to forget in order that you can press forward into the hope of Christ. I'm going to give you some time to think about that, and and we'll have the opportunity in a few moments during communion for you to actually fold that up, and you can actually, as a symbol of of you giving it to Jesus, you can come and you'll be able to put it at at a uh, in, a, in a basket and in front of the little cross that we have here at the front, you can actually lay it down and you can leave it here today as you take communion. You're able to do that. Before we do, I'd like to show you a scene from one of my favorite films, The Mission. Uh, the film features uh, a priest, a Jesuit priest, Father Gabriel, who has taken a, a mission, an outreach up to the Indians above the falls in South America. Um, Rodrigo is a slave trader who has for years been hunting and, and capturing Indians and, and selling them as slaves afterwards. And while he's off doing this, Rodrigo's wife has an affair with Rodrigo's brother. And Rodrigo finds out, and in his rage, they duel, and Rodrigo kills his own brother. And as a result of doing that, he carries this incredible despair and shame over this act. And, and Father Gabriel reaches out to Rodrigo and, and actually invites him in that place to, to, to come and work, make his way and work with him with the Indians above the falls. And, and as penance, he ends up tying to himself a big thick rope with a mesh bag filled with his armor and, and, and weaponry that symbolize his life as a slaver and a soldier and a murderer. And so he carries that along with him up the falls. Let's watch what happens to him on his journey. Let's, let's watch the scene.
I just love the joy in that scene as this guy who carried such a burden is released from it forever. His baggage is cut away. You can just sense that he's, he's traveling light. He's free. Again, what is it for you? What is it that God has, has put his finger on in your life this morning? I'm, I'm going to give you some time to reflect. Lincoln is going to just play quietly and we're going to pray. Would you, would you bow your heads with me? Think about that part of your past or that event or that item that uh, can just lock you up. The guilt you can't escape. The hurt you can't forgive. The loss or the disappointment that you can't let go of. Just just pray this. It's going to... It's going to be a challenging thing, I know. Just pray this. God, help me get past my past. And if you want God to do that this morning, you can just even open your hands before Him. Nobody's looking. You can just open your hands and offer it to Him. God just wants to give that to you. You can just imagine that you're pointing it down at the foot of the cross. Let me tell you, folks, you might have to do this a hundred times. <laughs> do it a hundred times. But today could be a, a big step in your journey towards healing and, 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 and restoration and, and, and God doing the work He wants to do in you. So God, we pray, help us to forget what is behind and to strain toward what lies ahead and to press on toward our life with You. We, we pray it this morning in the name of Jesus who through His crucifixion is is Lord over our past and through His resurrection who is the Lord of our future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
And this morning, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to, uh, if you, you come forward in a few moments, and, and we've got a, a little cross here. I wanted to bring a bigger cross, but I couldn't carry it. So we've got a small cross today. And you can come forward just uh, as a symbol of your wanting to give your thing to Jesus. There's a little basket there, and fold it up and throw it away. Imagine you're just giving it to God, and He'll take it. Just invite you to do that. And then you, you can take the bread and the cup. The, let these emblems, these powerful emblems, the, representing the body and blood of Jesus. I mean, what, what greater expression of love could God give us that you matter to Him? That He loves you and He's for you and He wants good for you. What, what, what more could Jesus have done than give everything? Let, let them fill you as you take them with hope again. I know some of you, you've, you've struggled with, with a hopelessness. Let, let God remind you of the hope that we have in Jesus, that our future in God is, is sure. And then whatever you're going through right now, God can and He will work all things together for good for those who love Him. He can and He will do that in your life if you let Him. He did that through the cross. He can do it through that, that evil thing. He can do this now in your life. And then our prayer team is going to be at the front this morning. And if you would like to, to pray this morning, if you'd like to receive prayer, you may want to actually confess your bad, your sin. You might actually want to take a moment and say, agree with God on that and, and, and bring it to Him. You, you may want to actually um, ask for help in forgiving somebody who has hurt you. You may want to give God your losses and your regrets and your disappointments and just lay them at his feet and, and ask him to help you hope again in those areas. Prayer team, why don't you come? And, and they're just going to be available here to pray at the front. And uh, we'd love, they, they would love to be able to help detach some of that burdens. Maybe they'd be like one of the Indians above the falls. Just imagine them with a knife, not at your throat, but, but at the burden at your back, cutting it away. And they'd, they'd love to serve you in that way this morning. So I now invite you to come. These are, as we say again and again, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come and-